Uh, we're going to get started right now because this episode of Juice Guru Radio is brought to you by TriBest, making healthy living easy. Well, welcome. Welcome to Juice Guru Radio. Discover what the magic and power of juicing can do for you. And now, your host, best-selling author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Juice Fasting, Steve Prusak. And hello, welcome. I'm Steve Prusak. It's so great to be with you. We've got Dana K. White. She's an author, podcaster, speaker, and author of her best-selling book, Decluttering at the Speed of Life. I just got it on Audible, so you can get it there, too. She'll help us declutter our lives without making an even bigger mess. Wouldn't that be nice? So sit back, relax, have some water, some tea, some juice. We'll be back right after this with Dana K. White. Did you know you can make a great living in the hottest new business trend today? The Juice Guru Certification Program is the world's first online course to give you the knowledge and marketing skills to excel as a juicing coach and start making money in no time. Find out more at juicecoachtraining.com. And thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for waiting. I'm your host, Steve. We've got Dana K. White here. Her book, well, the best-selling Decluttering at the Speed of Life. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So tell us, how did you get into this? How did you get into the work of looking at your mess and saying, wow, I got to get a hold of this? Well, I wanted to be a writer. Like that was my goal. And um, I discovered blogging back when it was a new thing, new-ish thing back in 2009. And I thought, that's it. That's what I need to do. Wherever I want to go someday writing, it only makes sense to at least start blogging now. And um, actually, I discovered it in 2008. But my house was a disaster. And I am a project person. I know myself. I know I throw myself into things. And I knew I was going to love blogging. I was obsessing over just learning about it. And um, I just felt like this is going to be one more thing that takes my focus away from my home. And when I say my home was a disaster, I mean, it was an actual, like real disaster. I mean, it was bad and it was a source of frustration for me. It was inhibiting how our family functioned. I had young kids. And so, um, in a moment of desperation, I had this idea to start a blog about that. And I thought it was just going to be a practice blog. I had no intention whatsoever of anyone I ever knew knowing that I started this blog. I called it A Slob Comes Clean. So that pretty much told my deep, dark secret in the title. And um, I used a fake name and I thought I'm going to practice. I'm going to learn about blogging while I figure out what is wrong with me, how to get my house under control. And then once I get my house figured out in a couple of months, Um, then I'll start writing about the things I'm actually good at. Well, it turns out there are a lot of people out there who struggle the way that I did. Um, A lot of people whose brains work like mine, who traditional organizing advice um, feels like a foreign language that we don't understand. So um, over time, as I started improving my house, then people started asking, okay, please tell us how to do it. And at first I was like, don't, why would anyone, anyone look to me for cleaning, organizing, decluttering advice? Um, but over time I came to this point of realizing, okay, I actually do have a message to share. And while I'm never going to be a natural organizer, I have a gift for explaining things and teaching things and writing. That's what I wanted to do anyway. So this is the subject that I write about based on what I have figured out actually works in my home, as opposed to what works in theory, which I would read about in other books and then they wouldn't work in my house. And that would 
be frustrating and I would feel like, what's the point? Why even try? So that's basically how I ended up here. Well, it's interesting. So it was kind of a project, like I'm going to do a blog and well, let's see, what can I do to fill the spaces? But you were realizing there was an issue with your organization and, and the way the house was looking. Right. I mean, that was the whole point of the blog was to say, okay, I have got to change this. This is a major problem. I cannot keep going, doing what I've been doing because it's not working. Um, and once I called myself a slob, you know, of course I was anonymous at the time. I didn't even tell my husband what I was doing, but because I had said the word slob, there was nothing to hide anymore. There was no more excuses to make. And so I just started just being completely honest with myself, tracking what I was doing, what was working, what wasn't. And that's when I saw real improvement. Right. And then you became really accountable because here right. you were putting it out there. So right. what were those initial research methods? Because there's so many different books and methods and ways from, you know, Japanese culture to what and this. So yeah. how, how, how did your process work to really hone you in on that? Well, you know, I really assumed in the beginning that I was going to read different books and figure out what worked from them. Um, but because I was so desperate and I, once I had the idea, I mean, I felt like I've got to start tomorrow. I started focusing on habits, just daily habits. Cause I was like, okay, I know there are things that people whose houses are always under control do every day. I don't, cause I could reason away why it didn't make sense to do certain things every single day, you know? And, um, I just started focusing on habits and I was shocked at the power of habits, like just focusing on that and decluttering and my house was better than it had ever been more consistently than ever um and it was amazing to me just the power of such simple things as decluttering and focusing on habits so take us back to you know i guess for all of us it'll start with looking at our environment and being like you know admitting right admitting that there need <laughs> You know, we can all use some decluttering. I think no matter who we are, for the most part, not everyone, but mostly. So what is the first process to deciding what we let go of? You know, we get emotionally attached to things, don't we? Right. And I am more emotional than the average person. Um, and so the strategies that I have found that work for me do not use emotion for decluttering. Because if you ask me, how I feel about something, I am always going to answer that I love it. I mean, it just everything. I mean, I have a reason I that's the reason I had so much clutter is I could look at something that someone else would say, Oh, that's worthless. And I'm like, No, it could be this, it could, I could fix it, I could, you know, whatever, it could turn into something else creatively. Um, so I had to take those emotions out. So if you're looking at your house and saying, I have clutter, that's why I tell people, I don't try to convince people they have clutter, because I knew I had clutter, you know, um, but the first thing to do is just change your mindset. And the natural thing is to say, I'm going to get organized. I've got to get organized. And I was so desperate that I said, you know what? I don't have time to get organized right now. I'm just going to declutter for now. And that changed everything because when I gave myself permission to just declutter, it gave me permission to go ahead and get started instead of figuring out how this space was going to work from now through when my kids graduate from college. You know, I mean, this was just the reality that as long as I focused on only decluttering, I was able to get started and made immediate progress. And that mental realization that organizing and decluttering are not the same thing, and it's okay to just declutter, 
was hugely freeing for me. And what I found was the spaces were more organized just because I had taken everything out that we didn't need. And the only things left were the things we did need. And there was space around them so we could get to them easily. I mean, those are, you know, basically the goals of organizing anyway. So um, that mental change is huge to just go ahead and get started. Nice. Because I mean, I guess we have those decisions like, do we throw it out? Do we give it away? Do we try to sell it? Do we donate it? Or do we really need it? Right. So were those some of the questions going through your head? And how did you determine Did you have to collaborate with your husband too on that? I did. So, you know, I didn't, like I said, I didn't tell my husband what I was doing in the beginning. And I know a lot of times it's, it's very easy because it's true that when you live with other people, you're dealing with their stuff too. But because this was a secret in the beginning, I was only able to focus on my own stuff and stuff that was neutral. And I found that decluttering things that he didn't care about improved our home significantly, just focusing on those things first, where it's easy to get stuck on, yeah, but what about his stuff? So when I went ahead and got rid of my stuff, then our family started to experience what it was like to live in a home with less stuff, how much more pleasant it was, how much more, you know, how much more easily we were able to keep it under control. And then eventually that changed how he viewed stuff. And then he was willing to declutter as well. So my main advice is focus on your stuff first and the neutral stuff, and then let that change the atmosphere of your home. Well, let's talk about some of those benefits, some unexpected benefits and everything else on when you got more organized, when you cleared out the clutter? What did you find else? What other, how did it improve your life? Well, I, I found my clutter threshold, which is a term that I made up. So (laughs) what that means, it does not mean how much clutter you can stand. It means how much stuff you can keep under control. My definition for clutter is anything that consistently gets out of control in my home. So When I'm living above my clutter threshold, I have more stuff than I, with my unique personality, my unique brain, lifestyle, can keep under control easily. So I didn't know any of that. I was just getting stuff out of my house. But this crazy thing happened when I got stuff out, I started to realize how much easier it was for me to keep my house under control. So this place that had been consistently a disaster having less stuff in it. So for one thing, we could find things when we needed them more easily. That's a big part of my decluttering strategies. Um, And, you know, even when life got crazy, because I have a creative personality, I throw myself into projects, everything goes crazy for a while. But even when that would happen, and the house got out of control, there was so much less stuff in it that I could get it back under control so much more easily. So finding that clutter threshold was a real shock to me, how much easier just in general living in my house was when I didn't have as much stuff. I also learned the value of open space. I hadn't valued open space before because I'd always filled every space. Um, But when I, you know, realized how lovely it was to not bump into things all the time, um, you know, I really changed what I placed value on. And once you get into this decluttered environment and life, mm-hmm. do you have to continually go back and see, well, things are trying to get out of control. I think I have to dive in and do some work here. Yes. Um, that's one of the mentality struggles for people um, who struggle with clutter. <laughs> is we tend to think, because a big part of it is that I have a project 
brain. I mean, give me a project and I will rock it and everybody around me will think I'm super organized, you know, because that's where my organizational skills shine. But the day to day, every day kind of stuff doesn't work that way. And so I would tackle my house thinking I'm going to finish. I'm going to be done. What's the point of starting if I don't have enough time to finish? Um, but the reality is that you will always be decluttering as long as you're living, especially in phases of life where people are changing in your home. You know, if you have kids, you know that the minute you start to think you understand what's going on, everything changes, you know, and so as long as stuff is coming in, stuff has to be leaving. And when I realized, oh, I am going to re-declutter this space and that's okay to re-declutter again and again and again down the road. Um, it gave me the freedom to not feel like I had to do it perfectly the first time, but just to do my best. And every time I go back to a space and re-declutter, it's so much easier because that thing that I could not bear to get rid of, even though it didn't pass my decluttering questions, um, that thing that was so painful for me, when I come back in a year, I look at that thing and go, oh my goodness, why did I stress out over that? And then it's super easy to get rid of. And it's just part of living. Well, you also talk about the uh, the emotional attachment, how we can declutter without feeling the emotions. How how does that process work? I know you talk about it in the book. I do. So I have a five step process that I have um, created out of just decluttering so much stuff and working through that. And um, so the first step is just to pull out the trash. You know, so I mean that's not emotional. It's like literally, I am looking for the trash because if there's a pile of clutter pretty much always trash in it, even though I'm always convinced there won't be, you know, I throw the trash away and then doing the easy stuff, which is the stuff that is, um, it has a home somewhere else in the house, but it's not there for whatever reason. So I just kind of chip away at it. What that does is with each step, I see visible improvement. And as I see visible improvement, I inspire myself to keep going, which then down the line makes me more and more willing to get rid of stuff. So as you get to my decluttering questions, they are, there's only two. And the first one is if I needed this, where would I look for it first? So it's the instinct. It's not a decision to make. It's nothing to analyze. Just where would I actually go if I was looking for this? And if I can't answer that, then I ask myself, if I needed this, would it ever occur to me that I already had one? Because if I didn't even know I had it, I wouldn't have looked for it. I would have gone out and bought another one. I'm trying to declutter. I don't need two of something. Um, and those two questions let me work through anything. And there's no emotion involved in them. It's just the fact. Where would I look for this? Or would I even look for it if I can't answer the first question? So those two questions allow me to do that. The other thing is the, the final step is where I implement the container concept. And that has freed me from the emotions of wanting to keep everything. And um, so the container concept is where I make things fit. Like, let's say I've brought a thousand books, which is not out of the realm of possibility at one time in my house. But let's say I, you know, where would I look for this book first? Well, on the bookshelf in the living room. And I bring all those there. And eventually it spills out onto the floor. They just simply won't all fit. And that's where I realized that I had not understood what containers were actually for. I thought containers were meant to hold stuff. I didn't realize there 
you know, the root word is contain. So, you know, they're meant to be the limit. So a bookshelf is the limit to how many books I can have. And that frees me from, I mean, there's so much more to it, but that frees me from the emotion of analyzing each book and saying, is this book worth keeping? Well, every book is worth keeping. You know, I mean, that's my personal instant reaction. But when I let the bookshelf and the size of the bookshelf decide how many books I can keep, it just takes that off of me and I can blame the bookshelf, which, you know, for a super emotional person, that's very helpful to have somebody to blame. And so I put my favorites in there first. By the time it's full, then I already know, well, these are my favorite and these are the ones that I don't like as much. So um, it just kind of naturally works itself out um, when I acknowledge that every space I put things in is the limit to how much of that stuff I can have. There's no deciding how many I need. It's just what do I actually have the space for? How does this, how is it uh, inspiring others around you, your husband, now you're a mom, your family, friends, like, is it contagious? Are people saying, wow, she's on to something and, and maybe I ought to try this too? Absolutely. You know, um, I had been going, I think I told my husband what I was doing about a month in. Um, and of course, these strategies that I've come up with, I mean, it's been nine years that I have been writing about this on a blog. And now I have mm -hmm. books and putting it all into all these strategies, you know, so at the time I was just decluttering, you know, which as long as you're getting stuff out of the house and not stuff shifting, like moving it from one place to another, like I used to do, as long as I'm getting stuff out of the house, I mean, you're succeeding. So my husband would see that and he started to experience, you know, living under our clutter threshold, a house that was easier to keep under control. And he also started seeing me be willing to get rid of things that at one time I would not have been willing to get rid of. And I saw him start to look at his stuff differently. And I hear from women all the time who say, I didn't believe it would happen, but it did. I had been decluttering my own stuff and neutral stuff. And I came home and my husband's decluttering his stuff. And, um, you know, my kids, I realized that a lot of their emotional attachments were reflections of my emotional attachments with my own stuff, you know, and as they saw me pick something up and have a moment of, oh, I don't need this. And I go immediately and stick it in our donate box that we always have going. They started to be willing to let go of things as well. So it really, I mean, it doesn't happen immediately. It's not instantly. It can't be the motivation. I mean, you have to be motivated to just go ahead and get rid of your stuff, but it is something that happens. What are some of those new habits you came up with? Like, you know, of course you had to change your habits. Like you've got to go donate the stuff once a week. If, if that's one of the habits we're going to create, or how did you even start? If we're completely overwhelmed, where do we start to begin with to, to make it an easier process? Well, the first thing to do when you're decluttering is grab a black trash bag and start walking around and throwing away trash. And it needs to be a black trash bag because, you don't want your family to see what you're putting inside of it and decide it was their favorite thing <laughs> that they've ever had. And they, you know, it's not trash or anything, but anyway, so just start That's doing that. One. Start reducing that overall volume of mess. Start in a visible space, start in um, your living area, because here's what happens. So many of us, even people who don't struggle the way I did um, tend when we get that itch to declutter to go to the master bedroom closet. Because that's the big decluttering project that we've been thinking about for years. And so we go to that out of the way space and then we work all day and then the doorbell rings at the end of the day. And all of a sudden, um, we 
are embarrassed to open the front door, even though we've been decluttering all day. And then it makes that decluttering energy just drain away. And it makes you feel like, well, what's the point? So focusing on visible areas first lets me see my progress, which then makes me go, oh, that looks so good, which inspires me to keep going. And it makes, it perpetuates that decluttering energy. So that the best thing to do is just focus on making visible progress. Um, in a visible out in the open space just to get going. Now, is that what you, is that what you call decluttering momentum or is that, how does that term fit in? Yes, it does. And decluttering momentum. When I say that, what I mean is, you know, when I speak to groups, I always answer this question at the end now because I would get this question, no matter where I went, what kind of a group it was, people would ask me, okay, what do I do about the hardest thing for me to declutter. They would start with, you know, they said, what do I do if I don't know if I'm going to have more kids? Should I keep my baby stuff? What do I do if I've taught, you know, seniors for years and I just got switched to teaching sophomores. And now all of a sudden, um, you know, I don't know, I could get switched back. Do I need to get rid of all my teaching stuff? What are, those are the things that wake you up in the middle of the night thinking this is a big life decision. Um, decluttering momentum happens when you don't start with that stuff. You start with what's easy. Just deal with the stuff that does not make you feel emotional. Get stuff out of the house. And as you do that, you're going to experience how much better and more easy it is to live in your house with less stuff. And then when you get to that harder stuff, you'll be shocked at how your perspective has changed. One of two things will happen. Either you'll have freed space where you will actually be able to keep that stuff and have it under control because you've got a space for it. Or by the time you get to that stuff, you're going to not be emotionally attached to it anymore because you've experienced getting rid of something that you needed later and you lived through it. And then that will change how you look at that stuff now. So that that's where the momentum comes in. Start with what's easy to build that. We're here with Dana K. White, her book, Decluttering at the Speed of Life. You can find out more about it as a slob, a slobcomesclean.com. We'll have links to that under the show notes at Juice Guru Radio. Again, it's a slobcomesclean.com. And uh, it's also available on Amazon bookstores worldwide. So, um, Dana, anything else about how that was for, you know, a slob coming clean to step into, first of all, I mean, you did this as sort of, you didn't even put your name out there. You didn't, you didn't want to kind of be known as a slob, and now you're a decluttering expert. How is that for you stepping into that role? It still makes me laugh. Um, <laughs> still makes my mother laugh. You know, I, it, there comes a point where you realize I have a message to share and my message is not how to have a perfect house. But I can teach someone how to go from completely overwhelmed, feeling like there's no way I could possibly do this to you can totally do this. It's not going to be easy. I'm not going to pretend that this is going to be fun, but it is possible. And I can give you actual steps and actual tools that you can go start doing immediately. And that's where the decluttering at the speed of life comes in, because you know, that's the reality is I would always look for a week or the next phase of my life where I was going to get everything under control. Um, but the truth is I want to live in my house right now. And so 
my strategies, I've created them so that I can make progress. If I just do step one, well, at least I've gotten trashed out and my house looks better for it. You know, if I get through step two, I've had things put away and it looks better. You know, and as I go through, I never make a bigger mess. So that means I can step away at any time when I get distracted because that happens especially for me, I'm extra distractible, but um, whenever that happens, I've only made progress and never a bigger mess. So incredible where you've come, you know, with this blog, which was a project. Funny how the universe has other plans for us. I mean, wow, right. this is just incredible. What you've built just based on this. Uh, what are your plans for, I see some questions coming in. So yeah, go ahead and type in your questions. And if you're on Facebook, type them in below and we can get to a couple before we close out. But Dana, where are you going to go with all this? I mean, you got the book out. Where where would you like to go with this whole project and um, helping more people with getting clean and organized? Well, you know, I am working on, um, you know, I have a course that I put out recently um, that has been really kind of fun. I did it as a pre-order bonus for, um, you know, before the book came out. It's now available for purchase. But what's been fun about that, it, it's a video course, and it's been really fun to see or to hear from families, moms who um, I watched it with my husband and now we're on the same page and we're decluttering together and making more progress than we ever have before. Or, you know, I've watched it with my children and then we went and decluttered their room and we were working through things using the same strategies. And so I really see a lot of value in video, um, which, you know, has been one of those things that I love doing. And yet writing a book is very time consuming and it's been hard. You know, the last two years I've been writing and launching books. And so I'm ready to really focus on video and helping people in their homes. Um, that's where I'm moving. So awesome. And yeah, and I, I just saw the audible. So it's over on audible. You did the audiobook yourself too. I so did. obviously you've been very busy. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I have been. And I learned a lot too. I've been podcasting for years and I learned a lot between audiobook one and audiobook two. About, oh, yeah, it's tough. Uh, we've got a question here from the community. Diane writes in, lost my husband three years ago, and I still have his tools and things around. I lost my dad in January, so now I have his things too. Feeling totally overwhelmed by all this, and I have no help. So how do you deal with someone like Diane that's in a position? And, of course, when we lose those closest to us, we want to hold on to the material things that were left behind as it is, don't we? Absolutely. And I mean, the simple truth is I can't give a 30 second answer that's going to help you. You know, I mean, because what you are going through is all of our worst nightmare. You know, I mean, and you are in the midst of it. So it is you're at a very difficult place. But what I would encourage you to do is start decluttering the things that don't take your breath away. You know, same thing of those big decisions. These are the things that make you just sob when you even look at them go ahead and focus on other things don't don't worry about those things and you'll start to, you'll give yourself some time you'll start to see some progress focus on visible areas first um focus on only making progress and the key to that is taking things where they go instead of you know making piles for later focus on those things and then either you will just feel better because your house overall looks better and you're able to, you know, ha have those things that you just can't possibly get rid of, but your house, you know, overall is better, or it will, you know, help you be more willing to work through that. I, there's just decluttering momentum is such a real phenomenon. And, um, and it's just so key to start with those things that aren't, 
incredibly emotional for you. Thank you for that, Diana. I've got one from Karen here in the Rewind. My family is downsizing our home by a thousand square feet. I have three teenagers. They're decluttering um, their rooms. It's hard for them. Any advice for teens? I do. So, um, you know, you're downsizing and uh, for so many people, this was me for sure. I always thought that a bigger house was going to solve all of my clutter problems. And then it never did. You know, I would get a little bit bigger. Still, everything was just as bad. Um, so the, the container concept is a really key thing for when you're working with um, helping someone else declutter. So I have chapters in the book. I have a section on helping other people declutter. Um, and the container concept is really important because um, it allows them to make the decisions of what they're going to keep but the container determines how much they can keep. So you may establish the container. So you might say, um, you know, I've done this with my own kids say, okay, this is the bookshelf that we have. Put your favorite ones on it first. And anything that doesn't fit is what we'll get rid of. And there is just such freedom in that as opposed to let's go through your books. And you and I look at this book and I say, that's a dumb book. And you say that was my favorite book ever. And then we have a power struggle. That's not what it's about. It's here's the container. So as you're moving, you know, paying attention to there's moving calculators on uhaul.com and all different, you know, moving places. Um, but go to their moving calculators and look, you know, X out everything else and just look at the size of the room that your kid is going to have and look at it and say, um, okay, this right here is how many, th this is the number of boxes that they recommend for a bedroom this size. And give them that many boxes and have them fill that up with their must keep stuff first. And then when they filled up those boxes, then they need to, you know, their, their favorite stuff is already in there and everything else has to say because there simply isn't enough room for that. Um, I hope that made sense. I have teenagers too. And I know it's, it's this whole own thing, but they are also at an age where they really know what they actually like and um, don't like. She's a slob come clean. <laughs> a slob comes clean. That's the website. It's Dana K. White. And again, the book, Decluttering at the Speed of Life. Dana, thank you so much for being here, winning your never-ending battle with stuff. Uh, thank you for being here on the show. Any closing advice for those of us looking to live a more open life? Take a deep breath. Tackle something visible. Make some visible progress and inspire yourself to keep going. Dana K. White, thank you so much for being here. I'm Steve Prusak, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Juice Guru Radio. Find out more about us at juiceguru.com. Until next time, get your juice on.